1: Hello,
0: everybody, and welcome to the Animal Files podcast. We have another incredible guest for you. And like I said, last couple episodes, we're going to be bringing lots of great new people to you so you can see what's happening within the animal industry to give you ideas and help you understand what options you have available to you. And today... We have Mark Adams and he is a life coach and an energy practitioner who focuses a lot of his work on healing animals. And I'm going to toss it to Miranda and she is going to get this interview started.
1: (laughs) Welcome, Mark. We're glad to have
0: you here.
2: I'm glad to be here. Thank you.
1: So you're known as the remote pet healer and you had an interesting background or have an interesting background, however you want to say it, into how you got into what you're doing. Can you share a little bit about how you tapped into and developed your intuition and some of the skills that you use with your energy healing work Yeah, and sharing about some of your experiences?
2: I think everyone has sort of an, an awakening period in their life. And sometimes, you know, it, it can be, it can be fairly dramatic and you wouldn't know that it was at the time or the steps that were taken to sort of address possibly the, the feeling of sort of isolation or, or being confused. And, uh, and so what I put on the website, and I don't, I don't know if I've modified it at all, but I was adopted, and my parents did a very wonderful thing at a very early age, and they told me I was adopted at, at like seven years old. And I know it seems weird, but that was a pivotal moment. So everyone's going to have a different thing that's that's going to sort of like shock them into some kind of awareness. But I, I've always been a researcher, Always. And I just love, like a dog, digging for a bone. And the issue with this was there were no answers. So it wasn't that my parents were withholding anything. It was just a closed adoption. So I wanted to know just for the sake of knowing, what does it mean? And so I began at night to what we would now call meditation. And I, I sort of naturally went to that as a soothing thing. And it wasn't anything in particular it was just envisioning something that I wasn't aware of. And, and I, so that is how it began at a very early age. And then as I entered high school, I added music to the equation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the album was Chariots of Fire. I mean, I think I wore that out. And for whatever <laughs> we had, I went to a Catholic high school. And um, sophomore year, um, we were introduced to meditation. So it was my first legitimate sort of introduction to the skill of learning how to meditate. And uh, it was one of the sisters at the school and and we would in a group do this meditation. It was very, very cool. And I think she's actually the one that played chariots of fire. So then I got the album. And every night I would play that. And I would meditate and envision things. And, And I started then doing what you know, the law of attraction would be. I didn't know about that then. But I started thinking, hey, wouldn't it be cool to be friends with this person? Or I wonder if I could possibly get this after school job. You know, it was like that. And I would focus on this all night. And then all of a sudden, these things were happening as I envisioned them. So that was the beginning of my awareness that we are creators, that we can be creators. But my intuition was also being developed very, very deeply because, and I, you know, this is just, me. I was a very sensitive kid. And for whatever reason, I didn't know what adoption meant. And I was always afraid that someone would know I wasn't legitimate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I even though my both of my parents had dark hair, I had dark hair. I was just afraid that someone was going to know and ask a question to something I didn't have an answer for. Mm. So I became very, very aware of my environment early on. And there were some other factors that were also going on there, but my intuition was deep. It was something that I relied on and it was absolutely natural, but we all have this. It's just that I, for some reason, knew that as a protection kind of thing, I needed to develop it. And so that was the Mm. beginning. Yeah. So that's how the intuition developed. And then I began to get into really tapping into passion, which I called inspiration. And then. You know, settling on goal setting. So intentions, but I was always a quote unquote life coach to my peers. People always sought out advice. And
0: <laughs> yeah. isn't that how it always works?
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, that was the beginning and it has morphed into the physical side of healing as the right opening presented itself.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
1: So the, the energy healing work that you do now, when did that start to evolve? Did you do that sort of as, I don't know, like just a side thing where you were just helping friends and family to begin with, or it just developed and you started offering it as a service?
2: Yeah, it it really was friends and family first because people had told me you're a healer and Hmm. I, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready what that meant, nor did I really believe it. To be honest with you, you know, like someone might say that, and someone can be deeply intuitive. I'm not psychic in that level, but people had said this, mm-hmm. and it there was a, this moment some years ago, and and a pet was involved. So it started with a pet. Oh,
3: okay. Oh, and cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. There was a very um rapid progressive cancer called it's histiocytosis is the name of this cancer. And it's um, rare in cats. They'd have much more research, I guess, on dogs with this, but not cats. And unfortunately, however this developed in the cat, he was getting all these tumors. And uh, one of them was embedded into his rear thigh. And so they had already taken his tail and they had thought that that had maybe stemmed it. But all of a sudden now this tumor had grown into into this thigh region. And I guess it was, had such ganglia attached to it, that they really had to take a lot of muscle and stuff. And after about three months, the the wound had been so deep anyway, because of how much they had to take out, it wasn't closing up correctly.
3: Mm.
2: So a friend of mine took Neos was was the the cat to this holistic vet. And the holistic vet basically said, there's nothing that we can do, really. Uh, She brought in a surgeon who looked at at the, the leg and the the decision was the leg has to go. And this cat from birth was a leaper. And having already lost his tail, and because he loved to leap, and obviously because there was really no cure for this cancer, um, and it was very aggressive, the owners thought of him losing his rear leg was too much to take. So that's how I got involved to work on Neo's thigh Hmm. and it was so dramatic for the for the first time doing something like this because i didn't know what i was doing but something came to me was instinctive grab a pendulum i started doing it physically with him in his presence but he was you know yes he had histiocytosis he definitely had cancer he probably only had months to live he's a cat he was having fun and like Mm -hmm. even his leg was completely wrapped up but he'd still find a way to get away. Hmm. It was ridiculous because I'd have five minutes with him and then he was gone. So I took a photograph and I took it home and I put the pendulum over the photograph later that night and I watched, so his his leg was all bandaged and I just watched the pendulum almost like stitching up fabric. Oh, neat. Yeah, it was because it it was so dramatic. It was like right over that area and it was so methodical. You know, it wasn't just like, mm, 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 mm. it would kind of zig and zag and come back and go up and down. Um, but that's what was going on. So I worked on Neo for like an hour and a half. And each week he would go in and it was basically to see, they, they gave a month before the lake had to go. And after the first week, it started to close up. Mm. Not completely, because it was wide. Photographs of it, it would turn your summit you know, where we started And then the second week it was a little tighter now the third week it was actually growing over Hmm. and then finally they were like he'll be okay
0: nice yeah
2: so that was that was the beginning of working with pets and and at the same time i did start working with someone who had a massive jaw issue her bottom jaw had a tooth that had been badly infected the jaw was infected and so i i worked on her for some while to and and out of that, because she had several different other things that I didn't know about in her life, there were some car accidents involved in which the jaw had been out of alignment. So, during this healing work, one of the things that was most dramatic to her now, what what I was trying to do was help her prior to a very um, they call it debridlement, but it's a very intense mm-hmm. surgery where they're kind of scraping away mm-hmm. bone and sepsis had also kind of stepped in here so this was a very serious situation and uh there was a concern that she could lose a piece of her jaw Mm. so this oral myofascial surgeon you know was going in and basically a few weeks before the the surgery she was able to bring her jaw together for the first time oh wow Mm. pretty cool she's not been able to do that since she was a teenager and now she was advanced in age so i was realizing oh there's more going on here than you know just whatever we're doing with the jaw. But the same thing I was noticing with Neo was this pendulum was working on her jawline and then it would go up to a molar or whatever. So it was all extremely dramatic. And the bonus for her and and at the end of that story was when the surgeon went in, it was very little that had to be done. Mm. So He thought he was going in and it was going to be this really bad surgery. Uh, And it turned out to be, actually much less significant. So the healing time was that much less significant too.
1: Wow. That's wonderful.
2: Yeah. So that's really how this began. And then I realized there's not a lot of information out there about this work. Mm. You know, people are, are familiar with Reiki. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will talk about shamanism and stuff like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And even in the beginning for, for myself, it was a challenge to really talk about what was going on because I knew that there's a root to the scaling in other words what i have within me you have within you mm-hmm. that's the only reason why it works because what i'm tapping into is my own electromagnetic current it is an absolute form of magnetism mm. like the whole mesmerism and hypnotism and that kind of thing it's it's built on the same thing my body has been trained even though i didn't realize i was training it for this but through the development of the intuition from an early age which became a daily hourly thing, I have become like a magnet. Oh, nice. So doing this work, Mm. and Christina can share some of this too, what I have a two-pronged process. And because what I realized was it can't just be about taking something out because like nature abhors a vacuum. So taking something out is probably one step of this process. So Mm. extracting from the area, whatever is in the way of good connectivity, whether it's neurological, whether it's part of the sympathetic system, wh- whatever the blockage seems to be, the first thing to do to bring some stability to the system is get the obstacle out yeah. and, and make space for something new. Mm-hmm. And so that's the next thing that I call this, that phase extraction, and I call the second phase infusion.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. I've done something similar on my own pets I'm uh, trained in uh, healing touch for humans and healing touch for animals. And there is one treatment where you, it's called a pain drain where you remove the pain and then you have to fill it back up with the good stuff. So, yeah. So it's kind of that same. It, I use it for everything. It's amazing, amazing, amazing process.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause really the bottom line is we can all do this. And mm-hmm. I would think thousands of years ago, there was always someone. And, and I, and I look at that as probably the shaman. Yeah, you know, like in the tribe, someone who had the ability and maybe was trained in this had an had a gift or whatever, but then was recognized in the tribe. Like that's your job, mm-hmm. you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, because I think that the the pathway to to great health didn't just begin with the medical model. No,
0: <laughs> no, oh. no. <laughs> Extraction and infusion. That's how it works. <laughs> that's how it
1: works. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just that in our societies, it seems like we've forgotten a great deal of the learning and the information from the past. And we've become so focused on the allopathic methods that a large percentage of the world, I think, have become very reliant on that. And I mean, it it has its place, but I think that uh, one of the problems of the allopathic model is that it adds or takes something away but it doesn't balance it. And that's why we end up with all these side effects and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Really well put because I enjoy the extraction as much as the infusion, but the magnetic side of it, because I I look at this as unconditional love. I, I look at the process as being part of the elements. So I connect with the elements during this healing. So I have a candle lit. I have a diffuser. So I have the air element. I've got a little water fountain. You might even hear it going. And then I've got these little vials of earth, one from Sedona, another one from Egypt. Mm. And so I, I connect with the elements. And I consider the elements as sovereign as you and me, because I believe that they make us up. I mean, we are the elements. Yeah. Yeah. We breathe the air. That is a combination of fire having met up with water. That's that ether and and air or whatever oxygen is positive and negative ions or electrons so we've got that going on that's coming in as breath it's going out as breath and there is absolute energy in that air you've probably studied about breathing kind of stuff Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's so important because basically so often and i'm guilty of this and that's one of the reasons why i love this work because i'm forced to breathe properly Mm. i don't breathe properly most times i do shallow breaths mm. when i'm running outside it forces the diaphragm the, the diaphragmatic sort of intake of air and also there's a, a proper way to breathe by taking it in through the nose not in through the mouth you know so that's why they kind of make fun of the mouth breathers
0: yeah mm,
2: yeah cuz those are the people that aren't breathing right mm-hmm. so tailing up the diaphragm filling up that rib cage and then finally the clavicle area so i'm honoring the elements during this time and the fifth element I consider to be this form of universal energy yep. manifesting in whatever way that it is. But I like to look at it as what it. I believe at its root is unconditional love in the energetic form of that. Mm. So when I'm connecting with that energy through the ether, I know that my role is specifically as a conduit. So I get into that meditative, lucid state of mind, I've got an iPad in front of me with a photograph of the animal in its injured state. And then I always request a photograph of the pet in a in a happier time in a state before the injury created. Because what I'm trying to do is connect with the pet through that other photograph. While I'm looking down at his injured state or her injured state, and I'm watching the pendulum kind of doing things. And I'm silently talking. Because, and and this is also an important part, and I know I'm like probably all over the place with many of these things, but this healing is, it has, the only thing it has to do with me is I've learned to transfer energy, but I'm in a partnership with the higher self of the pet. That pet, as far as I'm concerned, has the right to receive the energy or not receive the energy. Because I cannot impose or force anything onto, whether it's a person or a pet, any of my intentions, I can just allow this to go through. And if this pet wants this energy and it's part of its soul contract, that it can receive it and then do with it what it wants. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing with Sam, this when, when, uh, so Christina's pet, Sam, he was in a, in a, in a very challenging state when Christina first contacted me, but one of the things that I said to her was his energy, I could sense his energy was so strong. Now, granted, he was a puppy, mm. but I knew Sam was not interested in going in
1: Before you go any further, we haven't actually introduced Christina yet since we started recording. So just so you guys know, Christina has joined us to share her experience of having Mark's healing done on her dog Sam so you're going to hear firsthand the other side and not just from Mark
0: yep leave it to the animal files and do something just a little bit different
2: (laughs) (laughs) well Christina is is extremely articulate and what I love about her story and Sam I mean like Sam is very special to me I totally connected that little guy but you know Christina was very honest when we talked and she wasn't completely familiar with having done something like this before and in general that's really what i find in conversations with with a lot of people i feel like this is brand new stuff for something that's ancient but it's really brand new because it's it has not been discussed appropriately mm-hmm. and so when when she came to me there there was something that you know i i needed to share all this stuff and one of the things that i did share um in the beginning because i had to be very honest in upfront, was uh that sam because i hadn't tapped into him yet but sam has a choice also yeah but i'll let christina tell the story
0: all right <laughs> so welcome christina yeah welcome hi
4: thank you i had to take the tennis ball out of Sam's mouth because he was running around squeaking it while you guys were talking so oh. <laughs> he's been under my desk all day asleep and of course we get on a call and he he wants to I think participate yep he wants the attention oh, yeah. <laughs> look at me Pay yeah.
1: hey, attention to me oh. so what exactly was Sam's situation how did you first discover that something wasn't quite right
4: with him well we hadn't had sam very long just a few weeks and you know for him he's a puppy he's energetic he's all over the place and one day he he started limping that's kind of how it started and Mm. you know he jumps and runs and does all these puppy things so we took him to the vet and they thought okay well he sprained his leg you know, Mm -hmm. get him to rest. Yeah. Right. You know? and (laughs) So we, we gave that a go for, I don't know, a day and it, it started now. It's not one leg. It's basically he won't walk. And that was on a Tuesday. And the reason I can remember that is because his vet was closed on Tuesday and we had to go to another vet. And this is somebody we're not familiar with. He's not familiar with Sam. And long story short, we walk in, you know, Sam's on the table, he won't stand up, he won't walk. And I'm I'm freaking out. You know, I've, this is our first time as adults having an animal. So never had to deal with anything like this, didn't know what to think or believe as far as what we were being told. And the vet we saw immediately knew it was HOD, which is a large dog dog type disease that affects their growth plate. Mm -hmm. So basically their growth plates or bones are growing faster than their body really can handle. Mm. And it's very painful. And Sam is not a big dog. Um, He is a golden doodle, but he was supposed to be a miniature. So we were not expecting him to be more than 30 pounds. Mm. So it was very uh, surprising by the vet that that breed would have this diagnosis. And he suggested that we take him to the emergency vet. So we took him and he stayed for about five days. But over the course of those five days, things did not progress. He was not walking. He was very, he would anticipate somebody coming and opening the crate that he was in. And that would, he would just cry out in pain. Mm. And they were mixing medicines and doing all this stuff to him. And Friday night, I will never forget, we'd gone out to dinner just to kind of take a break. Um, they told us they didn't think it would be a good idea that we come up and see Sam. So the last time I physically had any sort of sight or touch or anything with Sam was on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And Friday, this one particular vet, because at the ER, they rotate. And this one I'd talked to at some other point during the course of the week and he was not my favorite. Mm. He calls and says, if he doesn't get any better, we're gonna have to put him down.
0: Oh my goodness. Mm.
4: I I was crushed because we've not had Sam maybe three weeks and we've gotten attached and this is what I'm being told. You know, they're they're calling to tell me, you know, your bill is now up to this much. And oh, by the way, he's not getting better. We we may have to put him down. And that i i didn't know what to do i Mm -hmm. i reached out to a friend and kind of told her what the diagnosis was and she emailed me saturday morning and that's when i was introduced to mark and
2: (laughs) yeah the timing was ridiculous because i had just done an interview that friday night or that Thursday night or something like that. But so I had just done this interview and um, there was a woman who was very kind and complimentary, you know, about the interview. Her name is Linda. And it turns out that it was that woman who who is friends with Christina. And that's how Christina got my name.
4: Synchronicity. Hmm. Yeah. So I, when she passed that information on that Saturday morning, I immediately reached out to Mark and kind of gave him a little bit of the backstory we connected and talked over the phone. And I I kind of pled my case of, I don't know what to do. And I didn't want Sam to be in pain. I didn't want him to be put down. I wanted to bring him home.
1: Mm -hmm. Were you aware of or open to any kind of energy work prior to this?
4: Oh, yeah. I got very little knowledge of, you know, these types of, of things. But Linda is she kind of has similar practices and, and has been helping me with some different things for me mm-hmm. personally. So when she suggested me talking to Mark, that was one of those things that I had full faith in mm-hmm. because, because I, I trusted what she was sharing. Mm-hmm. So And knowing that they had tried all of these different types of medications, those weren't working. I felt like this was really my only option. Right. Because, you know, they're pumping him full of all this stuff and telling me all these side effects. And we had to wait 12 hours before we could switch and do this medicine over that. And we didn't make it the full 12 hours, we only made it 10. And so that was gonna, he now is at risk for tumors and ulcers. And so Mm. at that point, I wanted all of that to stop. Right. And, And so the timing was I don't know. I think somebody was really looking after Sam and and it was just this divine intervention of I, I was introduced to Mark and he's the, I totally say Mark is the reason Sam is still here today. Mm, that's beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. So can you both talk a little bit about how the work was done, how the healing happened, what the results were?
2: Well, what I did is ask Christina for a photo of Sam um, as a pup before this happened, and then a photo if she had any of him currently. And so what she sent was a photograph of Sam, and it really wasn't a full body. It was the photograph that I was going to work on of him as injured. Sam was with his two legs in front of him in his head. Mm -hmm. So that's what I worked on. Now, Christina had told me, um, and and, and this is kind of an interesting part of it, because the, the vets really had more say all of a sudden in in Sam's whether he was going to be released or not. Mm -hmm. And they gave Christina sort of a list of things that Sam had to do in order for them to release him out of their custody. And so she gave me that and I knew that this was important. So the first photograph that she gave me was of just his two front legs. And I didn't know the depth of HOD and what that meant. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Do you want to say like what they said to you, you know, in terms of what Sam had to do before they would release him back to your care?
4: Sure. So the first was he had to be able to walk on his own. Uh, He had to be able to go to the bathroom on his own, and he couldn't have that anticipatory pain. So if they went in to take him out of the crate, they wanted him to not cry and, and do all that he was doing and showing that level of pain. And... None of those things had happened over the course of the three or four days that he had been there prior to me talking to Mark. Mm -hmm. And they didn't give me any hope that these things were going to actually happen.
1: I've never heard of a vet having custody or
4: being able to just simply take custody
1: of an animal. Neither have I. That's, that's That's... weird. That was
4: weird. Mm -hmm. When
0: you said that, I was like, what in the world? They have no right.
4: Yeah, because I, I made a couple, because like, they would call every few hours and kind of give us an update and things weren't getting better. And so it was just more that, well, maybe he'd be more comfortable at home. And so I was started kind of making comments like that when they would call and check in. And I believe it was Saturday afternoon after Mark and I had spoken, because we actually connected on the phone and I made it very plain that I was ready to come get him and bring him home. And they basically told me, no. Until he can do these three things, he has to stay here. I think Mm -hmm.
1: there's a question of ethics there. Yeah, I think so too.
4: Well, that's why it became even more important Mm -hmm. that whatever Mark could do, like we were kind of running against the clock because I knew by Monday, that vet that had called on Friday was going to be back in that rotation. And if he was still, if Sam was still showing signs of being in pain, I did not want another phone call. they That was what his recommendation was, was putting him down. Mm.
2: So we had to really take this in pieces. Mm. So I had just that, that photograph of the two legs out. And the amazing thing was, because I didn't really know that his right front leg was a problem, or maybe it had started there or something, whatever the case was. I worked on that for about an hour and a half, but I knew when it was done, that there was going to be some kind of change. Now, what I always tell people is I want to give it 24 to 48 hours. I know within 48 hours, this will unfold, but I don't want to rush it because yeah. organization within everyone's body, energy field, and that kind of thing, it's, a, it's all different. So I don't want to give false hope about anything, even though I want it instant as well. I want to go, all right, we're done here. Now Sam is great. So let's go check on him and and. and But I know that's not how it works. So I had to be honest with Christina. We didn't have a lot of time. But what I was hoping from this, and she did confirm with me that the right leg was an issue, that I thought, if anything, if I've just allowed some energy over to Sam and he's decided to use this energy to give him the ability to stand just one thing, then maybe this is a sign that he's going to be receptive to this energy faster Because I knew that that might not be enough, you know, to basically get him out. Mm. But what was interesting was that there was a visitation, I think, six or seven hours after that first healing. And Christina ended up getting a phone call that something had changed a little bit with Sam. Mm. Nice. Yeah,
4: that was Saturday night and the nice vet, the the one that was pretty patient and just he went a little bit more above and beyond than the others to explain things and Mm -hmm. make sure that we understood and that we were really on board with what he was trying to do. He called and said there had been a change and he thought that it would benefit Sam and us if we would come up and sit with Sam. And so we did. And he was able to, it was almost like he was trying to walk, but he wasn't showing any pain And that was a big thing for that particular vet, because I think he felt like at that point he was starting to turn the corner.
5: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so
4: we stayed for about an hour and basically, I mean, it got to a point where Sam just laid there and just wanted us to pet him and, you know, and we were happy to spend the time with him, but I left not knowing, you know, is he actually going to be able to come home? Mm. So that vet was there overnight And he said, you know, if there's any change, he always called at like 530 in the morning. Mm. You'll leave your phone on. I'll give you a call. Well, I ended up getting up and there was no phone call. Mm. And so that, you know, I was very worried that, okay, maybe this didn't actually, this wasn't the change that we thought. And he called about. I don't know, seven thirty, eight o'clock, and he was like, "Well, the reason it took me so long is because I was filling out the discharge paperwork." Oh, nice. <laughs> He'd been able to do all three things that night after we left, and they they kept him and made sure. And I think that was just that vet's way of making sure that he was okay to come home. But that was why it delayed him from calling, and so we were his very last phone call before he actually left for the day. Wow, that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah, Sam, Sam, that's why, like, I look at him as this champion, because he really his energy was so strong going in, despite the amount of pain that he was in. But he was in a in a a receptive state, so that he was able to use all of it. And to get out of there, because I think that was, I think Sam, obviously, he's very smart. And I think he knew he needed to get the heck out of there. Mm. Also, yeah, and get home. And so, whether he did the best acting job of his life, like, <laughs> like do all the check boxes just to like, and and put every ounce of strength that he had to just show that he could do it, and get the heck out, because when he got home, um, because Christina and I talked like the next day, but he wasn't really walking right in, in to the degree that you needed him to.
4: No, it was really a struggle to get him to go out to go to the bathroom, and so you know poor Linda sent me all these contraptions and things, you know, order this on Amazon and this will help him walk and this, that, and the other. And we ended up using a towel and just, (laughs) you know, looped it under his little belly and would take him out to the bathroom. And it, the weird part was the front legs are what went out first and then the back legs. Well, it was almost like the reverse when he was getting better he actually started with the front legs. Those got better before the back legs. And so it became less for Andrew to have to help take him to the bathroom in the mornings or in the afternoons, because at that point he was still a puppy. So he really couldn't hold going to the bathroom like he can now. So it was, you know, hurry up and scramble and get him out there. But then you had to kind of let him, you know, he's he wants to walk and try to find a spot and all that. And so you're trying your best to accommodate what he's trying to do but you're for us i think we were just more worried was he in pain yeah but he didn't he didn't show any signs of pain it just it took i don't know maybe mark remembers probably four or five days before he really could fully walk using all four legs again we didn't have to really assist him
2: yeah we intuitively i, I knew that this one session could not do this the amount of alignment that needed to happen for Sam because I only worked on the, the front leg mm-hmm. you know that was it so what I asked Christina to do was to take a photo of Sam on his back completely exposing his belly with his legs spread and that way I had a full top to bottom view of him because if Christina was telling me the back legs seem to be a problem well I've never touched those back legs mm-hmm. and my process requires the ability to connect with the body. I need to see it. And so she sent me a photograph and I had a really long session with Sam. Now this is another one of those really for me, I'm all I'm always honored because I learned something with every every pet or person I work with. They're teaching me. Mm-hmm. And Sam's body, so imagine he's got like a butterfly you know spread of his rear legs. And the pendulum is drawing out almost like a U going from one thigh across the tailbone coccyx up the other thigh. And it's just making that pattern over and over and over again. And so I'm just watching in total amazement as this is happening. And now I look at the the patterns of lines. For me, it's somewhere between I look at that as an electromagnetic effect. Bone marrow has blood. Blood is magnetic. So I look, I I don't know whether I was stimulating nervous system stuff or he was accepting energy and and interpreting it as nervous system stuff, which would be what I often look at as a line. But it could have been that it was helping stimulate something within his bones. Mm -hmm. Bones were the issue here with this HOD um, growth template problem
3: mm-hmm.
2: so there was also alignment going on with his right and left side and his entire spinal cord whether that was a spinal cord or the vertebrae I don't know because I, I don't really get that kind of a read all I know is that there was major alignment going on there and his tail was getting this <laughs> unbelievable alignment I was like shocked um, because I didn't know that his tail was in any way involved with any of this although tails as you know are part of a balancing stabilizing uh, apparatus for animals so Mm -hmm. it turned out that that his tail was also implicated in this condition and so the the session was very very intense and um, I came away from it thinking because another receptivity situation where Sam was absolutely engaged in this and so not wanting to give any kind of false hope I just basically. Because I'll always send an email with what I picked up. And this is what the read is, I believe, uh, from this work. And it did feel to me that that was an absolute necessary part of Sam's healing to now be able to bring his entire body into structural alignment. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but hopefully within the next couple of days.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. If it's a bone issue, alignment would be the key to that balance
2: exactly so a lot of this stuff is really common sense in many ways so once that happened I I got in touch with Christina and I was I was also very interested I wanted Sam to be up and at him and, and doing his thing so I did send an email to Christina and she sent me an email if you want to talk about that email I think you were looking for Sam to take him out or he was like in his crib or this little bed?
4: Yeah, he has a tendency to hide under my desk, whether I'm sitting here or not. Um, he likes to be under my desk, and I did have a bed under my desk. It was shortly after we had that second session that he basically was walking, like, like this never happened, and that's basically how he's been since. We've not had any other issue. Um, when they first diagnosed him with HOD, we were told that this could be like a flare situation so it could come back. But we basically had this for a week and never had it again. Hmm. And I don't think that that's normal with HOD. I I do think from what I've been told, they're kind of these chronic episodes that can happen up until he's fully grown.
1: But maybe that's related to how they've been treated in the past.
4: Yes. And that's what I think made a difference because it's every time we go, we're asked. Like has he had any issue? And it's like, no, he has mm-hmm. not. Not the H O D issue. He has another like allergy type thing that we're trying to work through. But other than that, you know, we're not in any kind of pain. He went to Borden train for a month, and that was his, I guess, first exposure to being able to play with other dogs, bigger dogs. And we would get videos, and he was running on these trails and just doing all these things that we've never really been able to see him do because wow, you know, Mm. we wanted him when he got better. It was, well, now we need to make sure we get him properly trained and just doing everything we could to try to give him the best life that we can, you know, since all of this has happened to him. And we found a great trainer who understood what HOD was. He has large dogs. And so he, he promised, you know, if anything ever happened while he was there and in his care, he had a, a vet tech who was part of his staff. He would let us know. I mean, we did check with our vet before we let him go for the board and train. But since all of this has happened, he's done nothing but thrive. I mean, it's he goes mm-hmm. to daycare a couple of times a week. He runs and plays. He loves to chase the tennis ball. And so <laughs> it's all these things that we kind of thought when this happened he would never have that ability to do that's beautiful
1: yeah that's wonderful that you were able to get such amazing results
4: yes and mark has been great you know he checks in on us every every so often to see how sam is doing and i'm not kidding they they have to have some kind of special bond because <laughs> this poor dog has had nothing to do with me all day he's been under my desk asleep and as soon as we get on This call he's over here sticking his head up on the camera and he never does that stuff so
2: you know there's a um there's a special bond that happens when and and anyone that works on any kind of level with an animal sam we've never met obviously but i i could feel him listening to me and talking to me so that's one of the things that i'm doing now part of my technique is i'm a trained singer and I knew that for whatever reason, my voice or music had to be a part of this process. So one of the things that I do is I have all kinds of frequency music and I, and I change it up. You know, it's, it's it could be anything. It's It's no particular number. But I bring in intonations with vowel sounds
3: mm. so
2: i will be singing along to that and it's and it's basically an instrumental whatever that music would be but I'll, I'll be doing long tones of every vowel and awkward vowels and stuff like that but i watch the pendulum changing and shifting so when, when i would be working with sam i, I was kind of like singing to him but i was also talking to him like hang in there buddy we're good how you doing and the thing is you know I know everyone has had this experience, the phone, you pick up the phone and your best friend is there. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's
2: had that at least once in their life or something like that, or mm-hmm. they have these synchronicities that are kind of just like, they don't make any sense until someone points out that they should put some meaning to that because it shouldn't have happened otherwise. And, but people were in the right place at the right time, or hadn't seen this person in forever and they're in a different state and they run into them in a, in a restaurant, you know, Mm. like just odd things
3: mm-hmm.
5: this
2: is life and this yeah. is like life trying to speak to us and say um we're all in this together you know and so this etheric connection think about like space there's just nothing but space you know i mean most of this universal construct even if you don't like the term universe got to call it something there's big shiny twinkling things up there mm-hmm. They're all part of, I guess, our, you know, our relationship with the earth. So whatever you want to call it, the world, I don't know, but it's all part of us. And from where we sit to even the next bright twinkling thing in the sky, there's a lot of space, even if they're not telling us the truth about how much space, you know, what the distance truly is. It's more than 10 miles, you know, it's, it's, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So, and I got very interested in quantum physics on the esoteric side, like 25 years ago. And one of the things that really fascinated me about that was as a life coach, and I was trying to come up with metaphors, because I've been working with the elements for 30 years. So I wanted the quantum esoteric side of the elements to also have value here. And one of the things that I thought was so fascinating about air is that between us is that that empty space that we don't really think much about but there's so much plasmatic life form in air Mm -hmm. so much in that but we just kind of ignore it as we're just breathing and just thinking that's what we're supposed to do Mm -hmm. but there's really if if we were to on the you know on the quantum side with a subatomic microscope if we were able to zoom in we would see that it's really just a bunch of atoms and molecules all kind of hanging out and in between that is space, but some force is holding those things together, so that yeah. one thing becomes a table and then becomes a rock, mm-hmm. and there are different sort of compositions of atoms and molecules and everything. But one thing is for sure, there's nothing in between them except for space.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So I'm very intrigued by the space, is because it's what absolutely connects us, mm-hmm. you know, through that wireless transmission, whatever that is. We see glimpses of it. If we're able to catch a cloud in the sky and catch heat lightning or something as it's flashing in the cloud, you know, there's that transference of heat, but it's also a transference of electricity, of energy in there, this thermoelectric reaction that's taking place in the sky above us. And every now and then a loose bolt will come down and hit a tree or hit the ground. Yeah. So it's always letting us know, Hey, I'm around you. Mm. Um, So that's why it's so fun to participate with the elements at that level, because They really do want to work with us. And when I, the reason why I love working with animals and I love working with people too, it's just that animals don't judge the energy,
0: right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I totally agree with that. Yeah.
2: They don't judge. They just love it and they accept it or receive it and they'll do with it what they want, but they're not looking for anything in particular. You know, they're not going to come back and say, well, I didn't actually, um," you know, whatever it might be. You, I, you were going to emotionally heal me, but I still feel like I'm judging people. <laughs> they just love.
1: Yeah, I'd like to explore a little bit more about the electromagnetic aspect that you were talking about earlier. Mm. And one of the things that came to my mind um, when I was thinking of it is, if I have the correct understanding of it, that is, how you know people who had siblings or maybe even just a parent or something like that back when we had the antenna TVs or radio or whatever and it's like somebody would go stand right next to it and suddenly the reception would be good and then if you moved away it would be all scrambly again so then you might have a sibling that's like oh just stay there and don't move (laughs) is that kind of
0: I I, I think we're aging ourselves with that question
2: (laughs) yes
1: yeah maybe a little bit but
2: (laughs) oh you'll never know yeah Maybe Christina doesn't know that stuff, but we do.
4: No, I'm very well aware of that stuff. (laughs) I'm a lot older than I look. I will say that. (laughs)
2: Yeah, we're big of Electricity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, how woo -woo do you want to get? Because, I mean, there's science in this. Mm -hmm. But, all right, so I'll bring up astrological charts. Because if a person, now anyone can do this. You can go to the several astrology calculator things, they're free online. So in these astrological calculators, they'll often break down how many elements you have in each of the different elemental categories. So you'll, you'll know how many planets are represented by earth, air, water, or fire. And I think that that is really important. And I, I do other kinds of work where I do ask people what their breakdown is like, because I really feel like the elements want to teach us stuff. And we may have an abundance of one element in our body, and we may have a deficit in another. And it's not a weakness, but it is something that I think, in, in the way that I approach this, is something that we might want to work on, or we're being asked to work closer with fire. You know, Maybe that's not a predominant kind of element in our life, and maybe that shows up in other things. Maybe we're kind of lethargic about things, or we have a hard time getting passionate about stuff. And we just give up because we don't realize that we're being asked to be more in connection with the things that turn us on. So then all of a sudden, it'll be easier to to go and do those things. So Miranda, what I would say to the family member who was potentially really good as the rabbit ears, you know, (laughs) they might have had a lot of fire, Mm. that electric currents in their body, you know, their signs might be more aligned with that, possibly. You know, or maybe I don't know how TVs work specifically, whether it's maybe that's a more earth kind of thing or, you know, that's what it needed was more grounding and more stability um, because it was too much electric stuff going on Mm -hmm. around the the television set helped sort of bring the picture into focus. But I, I really do think that there is something to that. And it's one of the reasons why I'm able to do this work or I come to it easier than others, perhaps, because... I'm a big water bag. I mean, I just have so much water in my chart. It's outrageous. And and that is magnetism. Water is magnetic. It's the mother. Yeah. You know, so therefore, I mean, sometimes what I do for people is is a five or 10 minute stand and I will just like take a picture on my iPad, sit down, get the pendulum out because I know it's going to work and it's just going to say it's your right hip. It's because of your knee. And now that's why your left side is out of balance. You know, like, mm. you don't need to go anywhere and have an MRI. All right. I don't know what's going on and how it, the injury happens. But but this is what's causing it. Now, the other interesting thing, and I work a lot with this, and the extraction that I do is not just physical. When someone gives me a photograph, there's going to be space around that photograph. And, and what I need to happen is that the photo is just of whomever it is I'm working on. It can't be anyone else in the photo because their energy can overlap and, and give a misread. So sometimes I will get, as I'm working on, and, and this happened with Sam, as I was working on him, and sometimes the energy will be so strong that it will the pendulum will be swinging way beyond the body. Hmm. And then sometimes, because the pendulum, it's going to lead this show. So I'm looking there. And somehow something's connecting with me. Sam's higher self is letting me know, no, it's over here, guy. So I'll feel a pull with that pendulum to now go over to this area. So we're gonna leave where we were and, and it's been swinging, 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 but it's sort of slowing down a little bit and it's trying to get me to go over to another area. And then I hover over that area and sometimes it will do a circle. Whenever there's a circle for me, that is a magnetic shift of some sense versus the line, which is sometimes magnetic, sometimes electric. But whenever it's doing the um, the counterclockwise circle, that to me is a, another real extraction. When I'm doing the infusion, what I'm looking for is the clockwise oh, okay. point. Because that to me is, you know, more energies going in. But sometimes the infusion can be, it's it, it may go counterclockwise as well. It, it can happen but it's just sort of narrowing out and smoothing down some areas that, that we've worked on.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's another thing that, that's very interesting that does happen in this process. And this is one of the reasons why I knew Sam was gonna be okay. So the, the, the pendulum is telling a story and I'm connecting on many different realms. One of the mm-hmm. reasons why it takes a while for me to do this, and, and, and it's rare that it's ever shorter than an hour, it never has really been. I mean, depending on how much work needs to be done, it can go two hours. The longest one was three. Wow. That was a
0: lot of work, a lot
2: of work, but I do get lost in the time as well, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But if someone isn't upfront and tell me the truth about what's really going on, you know, and all of a sudden I'm finding out their entire body is in this situation. I don't like to let it go. You know, like hours up, you know, like a psychoanalyst, uh, your hours up, oh, we were just getting somewhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I would think that it would also be, Because, you know, what we're talking about in the beginning where we are so involved in this allopathic mindset that there may be many people who think it's just the shoulder Mm. and that's where the problem is, Mm -hmm. but it ends up being your ankle. Yeah. I don't think people in general understand the connections that you were talking about also exist within your body. Mm -hmm. And so they may think that they're ill in this one place and think that everything else is fine. Right. So it's up to you to do the assessment, to find out and say, um, no, actually this is what's going on. Yeah, I think
1: rarely (laughs) where the symptom is, is where I think rarely is that where the actual problem is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just worked on someone recently. The shoulder was the problem. I was told it was a shoulder neck thing. Mm -hmm. And I spent all this time on the hip, the glute, and pushing all the energy over to the other side of the body. Mm. Talked about this. And one of the things that was interesting that came up was the element of water. And so I look at water as intuition. And Mm -hmm. I basically said, you're being asked to listen to your intuition. It, It came up so many times that it was hard to mistake. It was, you're not listening to it and it wants to work with you and you have a good one, but this needs to happen. So we did another session a couple of weeks later, maybe three weeks later, and this time th- the hip was part of it and the glute but now the knee showed up and the achilles and i was like it's it's weird for me to come back with these things because these are not the complaints right so yeah. i've now spent all this time i've got circles here with the knee and major work done here i've got something down at the achilles like yikes that's impacting your entire other side of the body well it turns out yes the knee was an issue that's what's the achilles now the reason why this one i love this the way that this ended up working out is because this person decided to listen to his intuition and he had been wearing orthotics and he got this impulse which he because we had to talk about it afterwards and he said normally he would never have done this but he ended up yeah. calling the store because he thought he had a custom orthotic that he had just got like three months before and it wasn't a, custom orthotic. It was off the shelf hmm. and oh, wow. was creating the knee problem and the Achilles. Hmm. So We got rid of that and it's gone. So basically had he ignored that for six months, eight months, a year, like sometimes guys will do that. You know, they'll just keep on, they'll muscle through it, push through it and go, it's oh, it's my knee. I probably need a replacement. It's just my Achilles. Ouch. I shouldn't be running as hard or whatever. But here it was this insert in a shoe that was higher than it should have been so he was able to get rid of that and go back to living, you know, a healthier life faster.
0: Yeah, makes sense. My husband's a functional personal trainer. So that's what he does. He trains the body in that way. And the results that you can get, you know, you working at, on an energetic level and him working at a physical level, it just shows how truly connected we are. And if we can all just start to listen to that intuition, and not doubt it and not just only believe a doctor, but like listen to what the doctor said and then feel into that Mm -hmm. and see how that feels to you. I think we can find some type of balance.
2: Definitely.
1: Yeah. I think one of the struggles that maybe people have, because I think I have it myself is that I don't necessarily know if my intuition is talking to me. And, uh, I kind of heard it said that the intuition tends to whisper to you, whereas like other ideas might speak really loudly. So then it can be hard to hear which intuition is actually Mm. trying to say.
0: Until you learn the skill of listening and then it screams at you all the time.
2: (laughs) And with me, it always interrupts. So like when I shouldn't be saying something, all of a sudden someone will speak ahead of me and it's like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it plays out that way. Christina, I wanted to ask you this. I don't think I've asked you this before, but one of the things that I say to, to someone, if, if we're doing with Sam, it was more triage. But if someone comes to me with something that's less you know, significant, I want them to participate if they can in the meditation with their pet, because I really do believe that pets find the owner, their parent, as much as the parent finds the pet. And sometimes I think that there's a real healing that's going on, not just with the condition that maybe the pet has, but also potentially in the life of the pet parent. So I was just wondering, has anything shifted in you or was there anything that happened like over sort of Sam's healing and then maybe unfolding afterwards that you could connect to what sort of Sam brought into your life? Through this experience,
4: Well, as far as the healing itself, I felt like when you were working on him and I, I didn't know what time you started, I think your email when you'd actually responded back to me went into my spam folder. So I had no clue when you started the session or stopped, but we had gone out to run errands and I, I just remember feeling off like it was weird. I just felt very strange for a short period of time, but it was just in these kind of waves. Yeah, And I think I might've mentioned that to you in an email that I felt like something was, was going on, but I have noticed between him and I, he does tend to follow me around more than Andrew. And there's just something about, I, I just feel like him and I have this connection that he doesn't have with anybody else you know, my dad makes fun of me because I talk to him like he's a person. <laughs> and whatever I say, like he does, or if I, you know, I ask him to stop something or whatever, he will stop.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And my dad will make the comment to me, he's a dog. Why are you talking to him like that? And I'm like, because I'm. T- he understands me. <laughs>
3: yes. And
4: he, I really truly believe he does. So yeah, I mean, I feel like he is, because we don't have kids. I mean, he basically is our fur baby. But knowing that, I think it was that Saturday night before we went to the vet, you told me that you got the feeling from him. He wasn't ready to give up and he was he wanted to come home. And from that moment on, it just, it gave me hope, but it also, I feel like, just made such a connection with him. And I feel like you kind of helped us with that connection because even that month he was gone to board and train. Mm. It was just one of those things where I missed him, Mm. but I knew where he was. He was being taken care of. And he like, I never worried about him being there. It's just like daycare. The first day he went, I was that mom that watched on the camera to see what he was doing. Now I don't, he walks in and just, he's ready to go. Like he's pulling me in the door. And I think throughout this whole process, he's, been able to build his confidence and that is something that i personally struggle with so mm. i i do feel like when i have those days of anxiety i feel like he feels that and he he'll get closer you know he he does things for me and and brings me so much comfort and happiness with with him being a part of our life so i've told you thank you i don't know how many times and i will continue to say thank you because I truly believe you are the reason he is still here.
2: Well, I really appreciate that, Christina. And I've said this to you before, but Miranda and Victoria, I wanted you to know that I really feel like Sam's turnaround was dramatic in the way that it was because of the participation and the openness of Christina and Andrew. (laughs) Because they were part of this whole process. I think that because Christina and Andrew participated with Sam, And they were pulling for him so strongly with just wanting him to be successfully released. It added to to this whole experience. And that's why I, you know, I really love it. They didn't have to be in a meditative state because they kind of were in a meditative state because Sam was so heavy on their heart and they were, Mm. you know, pouring out their energy towards him and he received it. Mm. So the other thing that I found interesting, and I did share this with Christina a while back, was there are no sort of coincidences when things like this happen. And so the fact that Sam found Christina and Andrew to be his parents actually saved his life. Mm. As this was coming, whether or not he was living with Christina and Andrew, this was coming in Sam's life. Mm. And it just so happened that things lined up. And that's why I do believe that as time goes on, Sam will have a greater role and a greater message to be playing in their lives because there was no accident that you know in his three weeks of birth he was basically like yeah you guys you know come here on this day you find me i find you let's go home don't worry about it you know i'm gonna have a little bit of a physical breakdown we're gonna get through it you know but you're gonna help me get through it and through that experience of getting through it it's gonna change you a little bit too. So we're all in this together. We're a family. Mm -hmm. And that's really why I love working with animals because it's truly a twofer. It is absolutely more than just, what if I work with a person, it's not like I've worked with the whole family. Although the the family can benefit too in the end. But but with with the pet, because the pet is just an extension of unconditional love anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing as they're in our lives. I, I just think that it is, It's a more profound sort of opportunity to connect with our life's mission or, you know, the the depths of who we are to allow that to express itself somehow when we least expect it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The word that keeps coming up into my head is just connection, connection. You know, our animals choose us, you know, and they choose us for a reason. And there's this energetic pull, that magnetism that happens. My animals, they found me because I was the one for them. Like I could get them through. Uh, it's a kind of a joke. I've had a lot of animals with special needs because they seem to find me because I can handle yeah. it. And it's it's just that word connection just keeps coming in. So obviously, when you heal an animal, you're going to heal a human, and when you heal a human, you're going to heal the animal. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred
1: percent. It kind of leads into, which just goes into what I was going to sort of ask or comment on. Now is that both Victoria and I are aware that pets are amazing teachers, at least when we pay attention. Sometimes we can learn even if we're not consciously aware, but mm-hmm. but we also are aware that they have very strong empathic abilities combined with senses that go beyond the five typical senses. So I think you kind of talked about this a little bit already, but how would you say that this would play into the services that you offer?
2: Uh, in what way?
1: Because you were already kind of talking about...
2: Oh, with like sort of the physical or emotional or mental or...
1: Yeah, kind of all of that. Like you, you said that we're talking about how Sam most likely chose Christina and Andrew for a particular reason. You know, we also believe that... Animals want to support us, and they want to have a job in some way, and so they will recognize things like anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. or stress or fear and that kind of thing, and try to help us through that. Sometimes even taking it on themselves.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that energy healing is unlimited. I mean, really is, and and so. Sometimes like, you know, I would not have known that I could work on someone who has seizures or an animal that has seizures. I wouldn't know that until someone has come and thought this might be a good solution. So Mm -hmm. I try it and then we have the results. I've worked on amputations and the amputation story to me is fascinating for two different reasons. One, because the ego mind cannot be involved in this at all. So Mm -hmm. I cannot consciously think, oh, well, then... I should be working on this to strengthen this part of the body. Like it doesn't work that way. So the energy is going to basically do what it's supposed to do. And so the fascinating thing with working on this pet with the amputation was that one side of his body was, so let's say the limb has been amputated. It still technically exists as a phantom limb. It's still there. So what this pet was basically teaching me was how to transfer the energy from that phantom limb over to the good leg mm. to strengthen that other leg. Now this mm. this particular pet already had stage four cancer and that's why her leg was amputated, but it came back into the lungs. So mm. ego mind would have said, oh, probably need to work on the lungs. Mm. She wanted 95% of the work that we did together was on her leg. Why? Mm. Because, and, and this is what she was giving me in terms of and this was so fascinating for her pet parents mm. was that she was kind of letting me know i'm going out like a winner all right so i'm going to chase bunnies again
3: mm. <laughs>
2: i'm going to play full toy with my sister and pull her out of the bed you know like <laughs> that was how she was like they would send me videos of her and i would just be like oh my god you know mm. and but then the time comes and it's it's even challenging for me because I will I will get the sign. The pendulum will tell me it's time. And it's very hard. I, I do not like that part. But I understand the process, you know, that contracts are sometimes up. Mm. So the best I can do is just say, this is what I got today, just to let you know. But I'll check in again or something. But the fascinating thing, you know, in that situation, and this is why I have such respect for animals, because... You know, the common thing can be sometimes is that, well, animals are in our lives and then they die and that's it. I don't believe that for a second anymore. And I haven't since I started working with pets, because the signs that I get about the emotional healings that they have, the spiritual healings that they get, the mental healing that they get, you know, beyond just the physical thing and on these different realms and stuff. When the first transition that I participated in I, I worked with her for quite a while. And so we we had a very deep connection. So it was an honor to, you know, to do the transition for sure. But the interesting thing was there was a um I, I was working on someone else and I couldn't stop that session. I had to let that session play out. And it was going longer than the the time that they had told me that the um the doctor, the vet who was gonna euthanize the the, the pet was coming to the house. I could not stop what I was doing with this other person. So I got involved as soon as I could. And I was trying to reach them, but they weren't picking up their phone. So I thought, oh, my God, I, I may have missed this whole thing. And they had wanted me to, you know, to be a part of this to see how she was going to do during this, the, the euthanasia portion. So I tapped in. And at first, the pendulum did not move at all. It just stayed completely stationary over her photograph. And I was really bummed. I continued trying to call. Still, it was going to voicemail. And then I checked in again and the pendulum ramped up. And so I did all the call-ins that I traditionally do. And I just got, because so for me with the pendulum north, south, that direction, not a degree to the left or the right off of center, just going north, south is, hey, okay, that's perfect. And so that's what she gave me the, the entire time. And it was like she was wagging her tail. Mm. because she did so much work. This dog also was super, super smart. And she was processing so many things on a mental level. I was just like, wow. And I kept having to tell the pet parents, like, wow. I mean, she's getting mental healings. I don't know what's going on here, but she was like, she was paving the way for one of those parents to open up mm. to, to energy healing in a way like he was not familiar with that. And it was kind of a little maybe weird, but- this dog was giving me insight to certain things. And when I would share it, you know, they would be kind of like, okay, there's something to that. And that's why they had asked me to sort of participate in, in, in the transition. But something that was really interesting was I kept saying to them afterwards, she is not gone and she is going to give you some gifts. There's some gifts coming. But I knew what the bigger gifts might be, but she did give gifts in, in the weirdest way. One of them was a roll of film that they didn't realize that they had. And they were cleaning out something and they went into a drawer that they had ignored for a long time and just kind of went in. So I just rolled a film and sure enough, it was all of her mm. sister. Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: that pretty much sums it up. It's interesting stuff. It's always a new thing. And I may have said this in the beginning, but I do like to go in without any knowledge. So on the website, there's a lot of information. And I do have a little button there that says free consultation. And that's really what it is. It's like a five or 10 minute. I'll just kind of go in, check it out, see what's up. I'm not going to be able to come back with anything in, in depth, but I will concentrate on, well, this area is showing up for some reason and I won't know the nature of it, you know, specifically, but yeah.
1: Great. That's cool. So I don't have any other specific questions to ask. I don't know if there's anything else that you would like to share that we haven't mentioned yet.
2: No, I mean, I, thank you guys for for doing this, Christina. Of course, thank you for coming back on. This is sort of new territory for a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it
2: is. But I I, I do want to let people know, and this is not going to come, I don't I don't want to come down on veterinarians, but I have been a little disappointed, to be perfectly honest, that what I would think would be a natural extension of care, because I don't want to see anything happen to any pet ever. And they rarely want anything to do with any of this stuff. The interesting thing is, you know, this approach is completely non-invasive, and yet I look at it like psychic surgery.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's why I always say 24 to 48 hours. If they can rest, all the better. Because just say it's a torn ligament or something, you know, I don't want them running around because I I need that to heal, you know, to mm-hmm. take it sort of unfold. But I'm, I've been very shocked by the reluctance and the, the disinterest that people who I would think who are quote unquote holistic, how they view alternative healing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, how on earth, if there was an option available for somebody, would you ignore it? Why would I yeah. ever do that? Why would you just not? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about this. I haven't really done my own research and everything, but this is something you might want to consider. They don't even want to go there. Mm-hmm. And they will prescribe pills up the wazoo. I know they're not pharmaceuticals always, but they could be Chinese, Asian herbs or you know, different plants and stuff like that. They'll suggest acupuncture, acupressure, you know, different kinds of modalities. But the thing that is very different in these kinds of situations, and this is something that I was kind of alluding to it before, but didn't say, I'm not an exorcist. However, (laughs) um, the the issue is the energy body is very expansive on humans and animals. And it would be disingenuous of me to say that basically we don't run into objects that if we're a match to those objects can get stuck in our field even though they don't initially belong to us they are a match to us we ran into someone that had something similar it gets lodged we feel weird we don't know why we get angry we amplify it and then pretty soon it finds a home there so very often I am working on stuff off body so I was kind of talking yeah. about that for a minute like based on the photograph sometimes those attachments can cause issues and so things like chiropractors acupuncturists acupressurists needling things all that kind of stuff or even surgeries this has been going on a long time so i just wanted to to end with this regarding the entire energy field so i am definitely working on the physical body but i'm also working on the energy field Mm -hmm. which is essentially the universe i mean you know to get sort of metaphysical it contains everything And that's why when I work on something, something that I remove will then allow something else to shift into place that was unknown to the person before. So it's a process of shifting energy. But the extraction thing is to get the big bulky thing out. If you're going the route of traditional allopathic medicine, just say it's an acupuncturist or pressurist or whatever, they will stick and prod and poke and manipulate. And that may diffuse the energy ball and scatter it all over the place. And so it's like, oh, I have some relief. The golf ball thing has moved and I feel better. And then whatever caused that golf ball to begin with, once the thought patterns and everything come together, all of a sudden the pieces start slowly but surely, congregate, congeal, and it's back. Yeah. And so why I think this method is important is because what I do is I get rid of it. I don't just temporarily bust it up. I get rid of it. I send it home in a loving way. I thank it. I bless it. I say, I don't know what your role is here, but you can go home now. Thank you for participating. Yeah. Because even though it's, you know, we look at it as a negative thing, denser, lower vibrational energy, it still had a role to play. I think whatever Sam is going to unfold for Christina and Andrew over the the coming years and stuff like that, I think his little episode. Could be actually a very important thing. It could There could be another time when Christina or Andrew is going to have to rely on their own intuition or do something unfamiliar that maybe in the past they wouldn't have done. But because mm-hmm. the love for Sam was so powerful, they would do anything to make sure that he was all right. If Sam wasn't there, there could have been something else in their path maybe a new job, a promotion, a trip to, you know, a third world country, something like, who knows, that maybe they wouldn't have done in the same way. But I just feel like Sam is a teacher and Christina and Andrew are teachers and they're all learning together Yeah, in this family.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing relationship we have with the animal world. It really is. And the more we can see things in this particular light, the more I think we'll be better pet parents, better animal guardians, better planet guardians, because we understand that it's not just us and them. It's all of us together, same time, connected every aspect we learn from each other. It can be the hardest thing, but there are major lessons learned for both the animal and the human.
2: Yeah, they're like anchors.
0: Oh yeah, they totally are.
2: They ground us in many ways. Just because you know it's so easy, especially in the topsy turvy world we live in, to forget that the root of the world is love, and they're just an expression of that. I mean, like every time mm-hmm. Sam popped up on the camera, he's just like looking for a little love, looking for a little, you know, nuzzle time. But underneath that, he's a warrior. Yeah, he's, he's a champion. But he's also like he's like at this beautiful balance. Maybe that's why I connect with him, because I I see in him this beautiful balance of divine masculine, divine feminine. He's a nurturer, but at the same time, he's like, I want to wrestle with the big dogs. You know, like he's not a victim.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm.
1: So Mark can be found on his website at the remote If you'd like to find more information about what he offers, um, how he might be able to support you. And you'll find that in the show notes as well.
0: And we'll eventually have that on our website as well.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you, Christina.
1: Yes, thank you for sharing your story and your experience with us, Christina. I think
0: it added a different level to the interview. It was really profound. And our listeners can really see that connection between Sam, you, Christina, and Mark, which is really mm-hmm. beautiful.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity. Because, yes, I've grown very fond of Mark. I'm very appreciative of of everything that he's done and and the continued relationship so anything i can ever do to help i, I think he knows i'm i'm here Thank you. wonderful
2: i really appreciate this opportunity it's been a while in the coming
4: yeah <laughs> yes. it's
2: hard to believe april came and i think we talked in like october november yeah it's april
0: well we were just finishing up last season and now we're in season three yeah. mm-hmm. perfect timing
2: <laughs> that's awesome
0: mm-hmm. yeah all right. Do you have any last minute things you want to say, Miranda, or
1: uh, no? We'll
0: let, I think let our guests go for the evening?
1: We're good. Uh, we're happy that you joined us and shared what you do. And maybe if there's new information or a new way to talk about this in the future, we could perhaps do another interview at that time mm-hmm. and we'll stay connected.
2: Yeah. If you have someone that wants to uh, kind of test it out, you know, you could just let me know and, and and we can try that. Yeah.
1: So if that offer
0: makes sense to you, make sure you reach out to us at the Animal Files Podcast at gmail.com and we will make sure that we can get you guys connected. All right. So I guess we're done. All right. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us and have a wonderful rest of your day. We look forward to chatting with you again. Take care.
3: Bye. Bye. Thank you.
0: Bye. That was a really great conversation. I mean, I say that all the time. We always have great conversations meeting new people and seeing the miracles that they can produce and to see what actually is out there. It always gets me excited. So it's always a great conversation.
1: Yeah. And hopefully you'll be able to understand more and more about these different kinds of healing. Sometimes it can get kind of, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe going a little bit beyond what you perhaps are currently able to understand with your everyday life. But, you know, I know for myself, spirituality and energy work and all that kind of stuff is still relatively new for me. But the more I get exposed to it, the more I understand little by little.
0: Yeah, the same here. I mean, even though I've been working with energy for so long, it's just like every case, every situation that I... And put into where my skills are being asked of me is a learning session. And I don't think we can ever know truly all there is to know. I think the idea is, and the reason why we keep bringing you guys these topics is because it just opens the mind and expands your idea of possibilities. Mm. So we don't have to just sit over in this one side of pet ownership, pet care, veterinary care. There's a whole rainbow of things that you could pick and choose from and find the balance that works for you and your animals. And I think that's the important part is to understand that and just be open. I think just to be open to new things. And if it's not your thing, maybe talk to your animal, maybe your animal will try to convince you. I don't know (laughs) because they are definitely more in tune, but with that, I just I hope that these episodes are and interviews are very informative for you. And if you have any questions and if you want any more information, feel free to email us at theanimalfilespodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, theanimalfilespodcast.com, and you can get resources. And eventually I will have all of these things up on the website. So you can just go to the resources page and you can click on whatever you want to know. And while you're there, you can buy some merch, but regardless of what you want to do, whether you want to support us buy merch, which is really cool merch, by the way, or you want to donate or just listen, if you like what we do, write a review, share it, support us in that way. So we can get this message out to everybody because we are here for you guys. We want to make sure that you have all the tools that you need to be able to give your animals the best life possible so they can thrive. That's what we're here for. And so with that, we will say good night for this particular episode. Good day, wherever you are in the world. And we'll see you next time here on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now.